we started a series last week we just called The Blessing. And we're going to be in that series for the next few weeks uh, because this is a time where um, the pressure, the stress, the environment is really uh, discouraging, right? There's a lot going on. And times of stress are hard on relationship. So what we wanted to do is counteract that with some teaching from the Bible that would help us understand what God's plan is for us. And we just call this series The Blessing because that's what it was called uh, in the Old Testament and in parts of the New Testament. The Blessing, just to catch you up if you missed last week, The Blessing is the most important relational issue on earth. There isn't a more important one. Also, you and I, we looked in Genesis last week, when God created Adam and Eve, sort of the prototype of humanity, He created us with a capacity and a need to be blessed. And when we are not blessed, when we do not walk in the blessing, when we do not receive the blessing, what happens is our soul aches for it. Our soul longs for it. Our soul cries for it. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is, uh, in the next few weeks, how do we give the blessing to those that we love? Here's what the blessing is. We've just simply defined it. Unconditional love and acceptance communicated. In the Old Testament, we see ways that the blessing was given from one person to another or to a father to kids or grandkids or parents. Uh, But it, it applies to any relationship. All of the Old Testament blessing structure doesn't apply to us today, but the relational principles do. So what we're doing is we're taking those relationship principles and we're seeing how might we apply them today. In a few weeks, I really want you to zero in on this because I think it's one of the greatest sources of pain in society today. What do you do when you are missing part of the blessing in your own life? I don't mean in giving the blessing away, but you were never given the blessing in fullness or pieces of it. What do you do? We're going to talk about that. Let me just remind you the five elements of the blessing, and let's look through those. Uh, Meaningful touch, a spoken message, communicating high value, picturing a God-designed future, and a genuine commitment to the blessing. In other words, if you were missing one or more or all of those in your own life, as you were growing up and becoming an adult in your own family structure, what do you do now? Because the hole that is left inside a person's life when the blessing is missing, is never adequately filled in until there is an understanding what's missing and how God might help you fill it in. So what do you do? Now, today we're going to talk about uh, the first element of the blessing, which is meaningful touch. Now, I was thinking about this. What an ironic thing to say. We've been told by everybody everywhere, don't touch people. (laughs) Right? That's what what we're told by everybody. Don't touch people. So here we are now at church talking about we need to be touching people. All right? That's kind of like taking somebody to a water park without swimming trunks. You know what I mean? It, it It doesn't make sense. But here's what I want you to understand, okay? We will not always be in a pandemic. But we will always need the blessing. So today we're going to talk about what that looks like. And by the way, you can absolutely meaningfully and appropriately touch and communicate the blessing to those you're quarantined with. (laughs) Right? Okay? So the need doesn't go away. It doesn't really matter. It's a universal reality. So this is the account this morning in Genesis chapter uh, 48 
We're going to read how Jacob, when he was going to bless his grandsons, what did the blessing look like for them? Uh, We'll look at verse 9 and start at the second sentence. Then Israel, is just another name uh, for Jacob, said, Bring them to me that I may bless them. This is his grandsons. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. So he kissed them and embraced them. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Now, uh, there's a longer story there that we won't get into today about why he switched them and all of that. But that doesn't change the basic elements of the blessing that are there. And I want you to notice that. He kissed them, he, he held them close, and he laid his hands on them. Now, you might be thinking, you know, listen, we're not a family that uh, touches when I grew up. Uh, we, we didn't touch. I don't, that's not a love language of mine. That's not something that I need or, or, or my family needs. It can almost feel trivial. Like, is this really that big of a deal that you do a whole sermon on it? Well, here's what I want you to think about, okay? Think about not in terms of is meaningful touch needed. Think about what's communicated when it's missing. When meaningful touch is not present, what's the message that's being sent? And now it becomes a little bit clearer how important it is. So this morning I want to give you um, three reasons that meaningful touch is important, and then I want to give you some quick ways on what we can do to apply it, okay? So if you're taking notes, and if you want to go to heaven, you have to take notes. Everybody knows that. So here we go. Number one, meaningful touch is a symbolic blessing. Now let me tell you why symbols are important. Symbols are important because they take something deep and invisible, and they make them visible, so why do you think we have a wedding ring? A wedding ring does, is not my commitment to my wife. It is not my marriage covenant. It is, however, a symbol that I have made that covenant. It is a symbol, so that symbol says something. You can't see someone's commitment all the time. Water baptism, you can't see someone's commitment to Christ, but you can see water baptism. So that's why symbols are important. Symbols show us, make visible a deeper reality, and that's exactly what a meaningful touch does, is it is an external symbol of an internal or invisible reality. So in the Old Testament, it was the sign of a transference of power. When Elijah went to put his blessing on Elisha, The Bible says he laid his hands on him and blessed him, and then the anointing that was on Elijah moved to Elisha. We see this in modern society. Oftentimes you'll see a young couple uh, holding hands. And what is that a symbol of? It's a symbol of their love. It's a symbol that they're they're taken, right? They're, They're off the market. We shake hands over a business deal. Why? Because that handshake is not the deal But that handshake says, I'm good for the deal. That handshake is an outward sign of an inward reality, right? Also, we see it in um, uh, when we welcome someone. We welcome someone with a handshake. Maybe not right now. Air air shake, you know. Hey, I got a new one for you. Air hug and then squeeze. Everybody, come on, give me a big air hug. Now squeeze. You'll use that this week, I promise you. You'll love that. Grit your teeth real good. So uh, when I was ordained... 
some uh, pastors and leaders, they came and laid their hands on me. And they prayed. And he said, now God, we ordain. And Lord, you're really going to need to help this one. So, you know, we ordain this one and we pray that you'd bless this one. And, and that way they put their blessing on me. Meaningful touch says, I accept you and I receive you. And the blessing that's on me is now on you. Um, so in the church, sometimes we've taken a little flack for this idea of, of laying on of hands. But I really think it's important. We don't do it right now, but I really think it's important. Oftentimes when you gather in the church somewhere in a life group or uh, at a prayer time, at a worship service, when you ask someone for prayer, oftentimes someone will, will gently and lovingly put their hand on your shoulder or on your back or on your arm and just touch you. And what does that touch say? That touch is a sign of God's care. That touch is a sign of God's love. It says that, hey, God's present here with us through the body of Christ and is surrounding you and showing you his love right now. So the blessing is, is, a, um, is a symbolic, meaningful touch is a symbolic blessing. Number two, uh, meaningful touch is a physical blessing. Did you know that you and I have five million touch receptors in our body? Five million. Did you know that one-third of them are in our hands? That's why uh, people were able to develop a language that blind people could read called Braille. Because they can touch. The hands are so sensitive, you can touch and feel nuance. And you can even read with your fingers. Now, why did God create our body that way? The University of Miami's Touch Research Institute did a study on premature babies. Let me tell you what they found. They came and massaged premature babies for 45 minutes a day, and they had another group that they didn't, that had no meaningful touch. And in 10 days, the, the babies who were massaged 45 minutes a day had gained 47% more weight than the ones who weren't touched at all. Can you believe that? Bone density, bone growth of young children, who, uh, they did another study, who were deprived of touch was half the growth rate of those who were meaningfully touched. Meaningful touch has been, according to research, has been shown to lower blood pressure, protect children from immoral relationships later in life, and even add up to two years to your longevity. Stats from Caring Homes, however, say that for some reason or another in American culture, fathers somewhere in the elementary school years stop touching their children. But touch is a powerful way to give the blessing. All right, here's the third one. Meaningful touch is a relational blessing. So there was another study done uh, by a physician who went room to room to room to room seeing his patients and he did an experiment. Half the patients, when he would come into the room, he would sit near them, and at some point in the interaction, he would touch them on the arm, on the shoulder. He would touch them somehow. The other half, he stayed a little further away and didn't touch them at all. And they did an exit exam with a questionnaire, and here's the question they asked. They asked, um, how, one of the questions was, how much time did the doctor spend in the room? Check this out. This will blow your mind. The people who the doctor touched believed, perceived, that the doctor was in the room 
double the amount of time that the people who he didn't touch perceived. And he actually spent the same amount of time in every room. What does that, what does that tell us? Meaningful touch somehow brings depth in our relationships in a powerful way. Marilyn Monroe, if you haven't heard her name, um, you, you can look her up. One of America's uh, sweethearts. But you might not know her past. She was shuffled from foster home to foster home as a young child. And once a, a reporter asked her this question. The reporter said, did you ever feel loved? And all your time shuffling from home to home, did you ever feel loved? And here's what she said, once. When I was about nine or ten, the lady who I was staying with was putting her makeup on, and she happened to see me, and she said, come here, sweetheart. And she grabbed her makeup brush, and she went and dusted it on my cheeks. And she said, for those few seconds, I felt loved. And that's the only memory I have. Isn't that something? It was a touch that was just a few seconds, but yet it stuck out in Marilyn Monroe's mind for years and years and years. When Jesus wanted to um, bless people, he used meaningful touch. We have a powerful account in Mark chapter 10. There were, Jesus was ministering to some adults, and people were bringing their children to see Jesus. But some of the adults thought, these kids are interrupting and they're in the way. And Jesus said, nonsense, bring them here. Let me see them. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 16, we see what Jesus did. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them. And look at that. Do you see that? And what did he do? He blessed them. He gave them the blessing. Now, this wasn't just an object lesson, because if it was an object lesson for the adults, Jesus would have taken one child, put him on his lap, and said, look, everybody, this is what you do. But Jesus wasn't actually even talking to the adults. He was actually talking to the children themselves. He was saying to them, I love you, and I accept you, and you're important to me, and you're valuable to me. Do you know why I think Jesus did that? And one of the reasons that we give the blessing this way is because when a child touches something, when we touch something, it becomes real, right? How many of you ever been to Disney World? How many of you been to Disney World? I mean, not now probably, but how many of you ever been to Disney World? Somewhere, right? You go to Disney World, you take your child, and here comes Beauty and the Beast, you know, or the Power Rangers, or whoever the latest, whatever it is, in costume, they come out. And what does your child say? First, they're frightened. And they stare at it and their mouth drops and they want to know one thing, is it real? And the way they verify it is they always say this, can I touch them? Because for a child, when you can touch something, it means it's real. Years ago, we took our kids to Disney World and uh, our son Tyler, who's here, he was six. And they had, they had just opened the Star Wars, one of the big Star Wars scenes. And um, they had all, you know, there were several hundred kids gathered around the stage because there were stormtroopers and, you know, all the get-up stuff. And uh, they wanted to pick, if you don't know Star Wars culture, you know, don't worry about it. But they wanted to pick six Padawans, if you don't know what that is, little, little kids in training. And so Tyler got chosen to be a Padawan. And uh, he goes on stage, and they give him a lightsaber, and he's, you know, moving it around. 
And then all of a sudden you hear the music come on, dun, 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 dun. And, and smoke comes out and you see these lights blinking and it's, it's Darth Vader's lights on his chest. Anybody been there? And he comes out and it's like, whoa. And then he comes out and Tyler actually got to fight Darth Vader. It was awesome. You know, they're doing the little, and you fight him. And you could tell at first, he's like, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I want to do this. It's like, this is Darth Vader. But let me tell you, when those lightsabers rung together, kind, 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 I, we could not convince our son for years that Darth Vader wasn't real. You know why? He touched him. Because he touched him. And, and, and that's what happens in touch. Jesus laid his arms on them. He laid his hands on them. He received them, and he blessed them. You know, a study was done in um, different cultures of the world to try to determine among pairs of people who sit at a coffee house, how often do they touch in the time that they sit together. Uh, this will blow your mind. In San Juan, Puerto Rico, the average uh, touching was 180 times per hour. 180 times per hour. In Paris, France, 110 times per hour. In Gainesville, Florida, twice per hour. In London, England, zero times per hour. In our culture, we are depraved of meaningful touch. And, and that might be one of the reasons that we have um, sometimes too much inappropriate touch. Because there's a part of the blessing that's missing. So what do we do? We're not going to have COVID-19 forever. So let me give you four quick things that anybody can do, okay? These are super practical. They come from years of pastoring and, and from my own life. Number one, start at home. If you're touching people more outside your home than you are inside your home, something's wrong. You're trying to make up for something or something's not right. And so start at home. Start with those that are closest to you. Start with those that um, walk with you through the ups and downs of life. Number two, touch people in a way that you're giving, not that you're getting. Have you ever had one of those people, uh, I used to know a guy that when you'd see him, he'd always stick his hand out, you know, want to shake your hand, and then just as you reached out and grabbed it, he'd pull you in like that and almost drag you off your feet, you know, and you go, he's like, oh, yeah, I got you. And you thought, oh, man, that guy, and I'd forget every time, he'd get me every time, you know, like I'd never seen this coming. And, and can I just tell you something? That's not a touch that's intended to give anything, it's a touch that's intended to get something. Gotcha! I got you. I'm smarter than you. I'm quicker than you. I'm faster than you. I'm better than you. That's not a touch to give. Meaningful touch is a touch where I'm touching you in such a way that I'm intending to give you something, not, not get something from you. Number three, learn appropriate boundaries. So generally, bless people in meaningful touch of the same gender. Now, oftentimes, or sometimes we have relationships in our life where for a variety of reasons it's appropriate to cross that boundary. Just realize that is a boundary. Some people aren't touchers. Some people aren't touchers by personality. Some people aren't touchers by love language. Some people aren't touchers because they've been touched in the wrong way. 
and they're sensitive to that, so you have to learn those boundaries. When I was uh, first in ministry, just being an extrovert and a hugger and, a, and a, a, my lo- one of my love languages is touch, man, I just thought if you hug people long enough, they'll heal. You just have to hug them. <laughs> and I had to learn that there are people, some people, for a variety of reasons that I don't need to touch. And I had to learn that. And we all have to learn where those boundaries are. Now, if you're a person that your love language is not touch and your personality is not touch, the question you might be asking is, well, do I need meaningful touch at all? Yes, you just don't need it from everybody. You just need it from somebody, from the the right person. And and here's the last one, Um, start small. And I want to take a minute on this one because this one actually applies to every part of the blessing. It doesn't matter if it's an active commitment. It doesn't matter if it's picturing a special future. It doesn't matter what part of the blessing it is. We'll talk about it today in the context of meaningful touch. But um, what if you are a parent, you are a spouse, you are a grandparent, and for some reason in life you have not been giving all of the blessing to your loved one? What do you, what do, you do now? Well, start small. One of my concerns coming out of last week's service was, as I bless my own kids, is that somebody might see that and say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to just rush in and I'm going to do a big, whatever, event or party or moment, and I'm going to make it happen. And here's what I want you to know. If some part of the blessing has been missing, you're not going to make it all up at one time. Okay, you have to start small. You can't just rush in and say, you know, for years... um, I haven't given a spoken message of high value to my whoever, loved one, child, spouse. And man, I'm just going to start pouring it on. Can I tell you, you will weird them out faster than you know what to do. (laughs) So what do you do? You start small. The blessing wasn't missing in one event, and it won't be added in one event. It has to be added in over time. So if it's meaningful touch... You know, rather than starting with a bear hug and picking them up off the ground every morning before they leave for whatever, um, start with a hand on the back, a handshake. Start with, you know, a hand on the shoulder. Start with a high five. Start wherever you are and take the next simple step. But don't, don't try to fix it all in one moment because you're likely to do more harm than you are good. So whatever piece of the blessing it is, I, I hope I can have the chance to say this every week about every part of the blessing because it applies to every part of the blessing. You can't just flip it on like a switch when it hasn't been there. You have to just start with a baby step. But here's what you'll find. If you'll do that, and you'll do it regularly over time, that will open up a part of relationship that hasn't existed maybe before or has been weak. And you will actually breathe life on it. Because what you're communicating is unconditional love and acceptance. Now, this morning as we um, close, I was thinking uh, about Jesus, you know, who took those children in his arms, who received them, who to him they were no interruption. To him they were right on time. And he received them, and he laid his hands on them, 
and he blessed them. And I thought, what a, what a powerful thing that must have been to be a child and have God in a human body put his hand on you. wonder what that felt like and, and bless them. wonder when the woman snuck up behind him and touched his robe and she was healed. I wonder when the lepers came to Jesus and he just touched them and the leprosy went away. I wonder what that, I wonder what that touch felt like. Can I tell you something? The same Jesus that touched those children and touched that woman and touched the lepers is here. And here's what I know. One touch, one touch from Jesus can heal you in a way that nothing else can, can touch you in a way that nothing else can. So I want to ask you if you'll just stand with me this morning. I know I know. there's a lot of, man, we're just living in a, in a weird time. There's just a lot of tension and pressure. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment and just open your heart? I want to pray with you. If you're online right now watching us, just close your eyes there. And I want you to know our prayer team is online and they would love to pray with you. If you'll just drop in the comment, I, I need prayer. I need, I need Jesus to touch me today. They'll jump right in the comment section and they'll start to pray with you. And we're going to pray with you too. With every eye closed, every heart open, today if you just were to say, you know what? I need Jesus to touch me. My, I've, I've got a physical need in my body. I've got a financial need. I've got a need at work. I've got a need in relationship right now in my marriage or my home with my kids. I need wisdom. I need God to touch me. Give me wisdom this morning. Would you just lift your hand and say, God, I need you to touch me today. Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. I'm, I'm going to tell you something, okay? The same Jesus that touched those people is here touching you. God, today I pray that you would see every lifted hand and every person who is commenting online. God, I pray you'd move into their living room and into their home, wherever they are today. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd touch. Just reach out today the same way we started the service. May your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I know it's your will to bless me, and I know it's your will to touch me. And so I lean into that in prayer. Come on, this morning, just reach out and say, I receive today the touch that I need from you. I receive the blessing. I receive your love. I receive your care. I receive wisdom, and I receive peace, and I receive the answer that you came to give me today. God, I receive today 